Alright, share the link. Share the link to all the groups you are in, group 1, group 2, group 3. I've only seen the link on group 2. If you are in group 3, share the link. If you are in the first group, kindly share the link.
All right. Good morning once again. Father, this morning as your word comes, let it come with your, your power and your spirit. Let it come with precision. Let it pierce our hearts as an arrow, as a sharp sword. Let it remove in us whatever that does not look like you. And let Jesus alone be glorified. Father, by the end of this teaching, may we see ourselves the way you see us. Let ignorance fall off. Let doubt and unbelief fall off. Glorify yourself through your word. Sanctify us. Renew and redeem us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. Good to have you this morning. Um, we're talking on... We've been, it's been our month of answered prayer, and today happened to be the last day of the month of April. And I can tell you that God has been good to us this month. I don't know if anybody else experienced God's goodness. I'm sure a lot of people have experienced the goodness of God. The goodness of God has been strong around, within, and upon us. We've seen the hand of God again and again and again. And I can say this to you. I don't know what they told you, but May will be better. May will be better. May will be your own month. It will be your own month. In the name of Jesus. All right. So this morning, I am touching a topic to round up our team for the month on answered prayer. And my topic this morning is when you should not pray. Hmm. When you should not pray. When you should not pray. When you should not pray. Pastor, what are you saying? Is there a time when somebody shouldn't pray? According to scriptures, the answer is yes. Prayer is very powerful. In fact, the Bible says you should pray without ceasing. Pray always. So, Pastor, if the Bible says pray without ceasing, then what are you saying that there is a time when we should not pray? All right. Are we ready for some answers? Are we ready for some answers? Okay, Jeremiah 7 verse 16, our first scripture. Jeremiah 7 verse 16. Oh, takapalata shatakabasis. Sepatos satijas. One of the best ways to receive the word of God is to have full attention, even in prayer. Have full attention. Stay in praying in tongues. That is one of the best ways to receive the word of God. All right. I would like my scriptures to be coming a bit quicker because we have a lot of scriptures actually to attend to this morning. He said, Therefore, pray not thou... For these people, neither lift up cry 
nor prayer for them neither make intercession to me for i will not hear thee okay the same bible that said pray without ceasing call unto me and all of that god is the one speaking by himself now he said to the prophet jeremiah these people don't pray for them therefore pray not thou for these people neither lift up cry nor prayer for them neither make intercession to me for i will not hear thee so look at this now god is not saying that um he will not listen to the prophet god he will not saying is not saying that the prophet um has done anything say, but the moment you bring a prayer to me about these people I won't answer them. Jeremiah, I love you. I called you. I anointed you. I will always hear your prayer. But you see this case. Once these people are involved, I won't answer. So there are a set of people that God will ignore the prophet. God will ignore the words of the prophet because of the people. I always say this. If I pray for you on a particular issue, once, twice, maximum three times and the answer has not come i will sit you down and ask you what are you doing wrong that is me if i pray for you on an issue three times and the answer has not come i will sit you down i will query you what are you doing wrong you have to tell me what you are doing wrong because i know that god hears my prayer so if it is not that okay god said it is not the time or um there's other thing I will need to sit you down and ask you, what are you not doing right? Don't tell me it's demons. Demons are not so strong if you know your right and authority in Christ. Demons are not so, they're not more powerful than God. In fact, demons are not more powerful than a believer who knows his dominion in Christ. So the moment your excuse now become demons, family altar, witches and wizards and all of that, then there's something you don't know already. So God was specific to Jeremiah and said, don't pray for these people. Don't pray for these people. Don't pray for these people. All right. So let's run through some of the list when you should not pray. Number one, when you are still involved in idol worship. Don't pray when you are still involved in idol worship. Don't pray when you are still involved in idol worship. Get me Jeremiah 11, 7 to 14. Jeremiah 11, 7 to 14. Don't pray when you are still involved in idol worship. There are some of you listening to me right now. You don't go to shrine. You don't go, but you send your uncle. You are in the city. You send money to your grandmother. You say, me, I'm a Christian. No, say, we have to do family festival. I'm a Christian. But you send money. Look at this now. Jeremiah 11. We're taking from verse 7 down to 14. For I earnestly protested unto your fathers in the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt. Even unto this day, rising early and protesting, saying, 
obey my voice. So God is hosting a one-man protest against a family. God has been protesting. Obey my voice. Yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ears, but walked everyone in the imagination of their hearts. Therefore, I will bring them, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant which I made to do, but they did them not. Let's go verse 9 down. And the Lord said unto me, A conspiracy is found among the men of Judah, among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They are turned back to the iniquities of their fathers, which refused to hear my word. And they went after other gods. You see where the issue is? They went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Let's go on. We're taking down to 14. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring upon, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Then shall the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem go and cry unto the Lord, unto the gods, unto whom they offer incense, but they shall not save them at all in the time of trouble. All right, 13 and 14. For according to the number of thy cities, where thy God, so every city had an idol in it. O Judah, and according to the number of the street of Jerusalem, have ye set up altars to that shameful thing, even altars to burn incense to Baal. Therefore, pray not thou for these people, neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their people, for their trouble, rather. Sorry, for their trouble. So you see, when God said, I will not hear these people, God had a justifiable reason. He said, the reason why I will not hear them, it is because these people have chosen their own path. These people are involved. I have seen people who call themselves Christians, and yet they are so involved in family tradition more than ever. And there's another, there's a, there are two, two ways to this thing. There are Christians who are so involved in family traditions. They involve in idol. They say we want to do festival. We have to buy ram to sacrifice to idol. We have to buy this. They say I will not come, but they will send their money. Some will be the first to leave the city and to go there and dance all the dance and eat all the goat and the yam. They saw it being sacrificed to idol. If I saw we join in the traditional prayer and say it does not matter, it's our culture. You don't use Christianity. Christianity is the white man's culture. You don't. You are, if you are, if you still believe that something is wrong with your brain, your brain needs surgery from brain tumor. You mean with all the experience you've had with God, you're still calling it the white man religion? Are you joking? Um, you are serving uh, the white man Jesus. You are serving the, the white, white, white Jesus. Why is Jesus not black? Why is he a white man? Why is a God not black? What? Who told you Jesus is white? Who told you Jesus is white? Tell me, who told you? Who told you God is white? The problem we had is that 
the movie blacks were not being creative the movie the passion of christ was acted by a white man because they were the ones who first um got the initiative to create such movie they wrote the scripts they got the actors and the actresses so since then till now what has stopped us from acting black movie of jesus tell me and we are still claiming right that jesus is white or is black it's a very stupid thinking very stupid discussion stupid one okay why didn't you ask why jet lee is white why is he white jet lee why is chuck norris white why is uh jackie chan white if okay why is jackie apla apia is it jackie apia apla what do they call her why is she black why is jim ike black we began the nollywood the gallywood and the kumawood and we use our own actors to pro to portray what we want to show they began the hollywood and the rest of them they created it they had the actors they decide who to cast and what to show so that is not a basis to try to begin to explain who which actor is white or which actor is it's a very dumb very dumb discussion there is nowhere in the bible that the bible stated that jesus was white is not in the Bible. As a matter of fact, when he was born, the first place he was taken to was Africa. In the book of Matthew chapter 2, God instructed Joseph to take him down to Egypt. If you read about Solomon in the Bible, Solomon said that he is black. Solomon stated in the Bible, he is black. If for one of the oldest tribe, one of the oldest nation, continent in the Bible, it's actually the African nation, Go read way back into Genesis. You're going to find Ethiopia. You'll find Egypt. Down from the Bible. So, let me not even dwell on this. It's not even an issue of discussion. Alright? But what we're talking about right now is that God hates idol worship. Get me Exodus 20. Exodus 20 from verse 4. Exodus 20 from verse 4 and 5. So the moment you are consulting idol, God said, don't come to pray to me. Don't come to pray to me. Years ago, somebody who goes to consult, um, consult idolatry came and brought what was given to her and said, Pastor, please pray for me on this thing. What is it? He said it's a charm that they give to her for business. The thing is not working again. So she wants prayer on the charm so that the charm will start working. You see mindset? You see thinking? And some believers are like that. They're around, Since uh, I'm not getting uh, married, what do we do? My mother said there's something they have to do in my family, that there is something they have to do. My uncle said they should come. So while I'm praying in church, I can send money to her. I won't go. Emma, I won't go. I have to focus. You not send money to the mother. The mother will not go to the village, meet the grandmother or the uncle. While they are doing their incantation, the person is in church praying. Who are you deceiving? Yourself yourself can i get that scripture repose the scripture for me exodus 
20. He said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation. So God said, any family that serve idol, I will fight you for 400 years. One generation means 100 years. Four generations represent 400 years. God said, any family that serve idol, I will fight you for 400 years. So if your grandfather served idol, God said, from your grandfather to your father to this generation and the next one, I will be angry with them. He said, I will only show mercy to those who run to me and begin to cry for mercy. But you are involved in it and you are coming to say you have to go to church and let's pray. He said, I will fight you with everything that I have. So I do worship is a grave sin. I do worship is a grave sin that God frowns at. God frowns at it. God is angry with an idol worshiper every day. God is angry. God is angry. So the moment you are living in sin, God said the first thing you should do is not coming to me to come and start asking for things. That is not the first thing to do. The first thing to do is to come and begin to cry for mercy. Let's get one more scripture. Psalm 66 verse 18. Psalm 66 and verse 18. When you should not pray. When you should not pray. Psalm 66 and verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So the psalmist David is speaking and said, not just even committing sin now. If somebody else is committing sin and I'm supporting them, he said, God, there's no need to pray. God will not hear. God will not hear. All right? Getting yourself involved, he said, God won't hear. God won't hear. Number two, when you should not pray. Number two <laughs> is when you should use your brain. Don't pray when you should use your brain. Exodus 14, 13, and 15. Exodus 14, 13 to 15. Don't pray when you should use your brain. There are a lot of people who are saying God is not answering their prayer. But the situation they are in now, they don't need prayer. What they actually need is sense, wisdom, common sense. Exodus 13, 14 to 13. It said that Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. You see, we like this scripture. 
Tradition has it today, shall see them no more, not knowing these words are the words of Moses. Verse 14, and the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. We love these scriptures because they make us, they, they take responsibility of us. Uh, they make us feel irresponsible. We like the scriptures that put their burden on God. God is the one. God, oh God, oh let God arise. Let my enemies scatter. I will show you right now. Discover that that scripture you quote is actually wrong. Look at it. Let hold your peace and the Lord shall fight for you. Okay, look at God's response, verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Why criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Why are you crying to me? A lot of people are in a situation that they should savage by their own self. But they are running to God. Father, Father, God gave you sense so that God can rest. The reason why God gave you sense is so that God can rest. He would have taken your sense so that every day you'll be running back to him for problems. But he gave you sense. Say, let me rest. I've given you a processor that you'll be able to process certain things on your own. But no, you see, an average believer, and this is the difference between a white man and a black man. The black man is missing one part. The white man is missing one part. What is the part the black man is missing? The black man is missing the part of critical thinking. Bible call it witty inventions, creativity. We push everything on prayer. We push everything on manual labor and hard work. But you see the white man, not hard work per se, hard labor. Hard work and hard labor is not the same. It's good to do hard work, but not hard labor. The black man believes in hard labor. But you see the white man, now the white man is rejecting Jesus, rejecting God, but using the brain. So now they are producing a kind of result that we are lacking, and we are producing the spiritual result that they are lacking. If you actually understand the era we are in, in the spirit realm, you will understand that the whites are losing it when it comes to Christianity. They are losing it. And Africans who are daft are saying that, look at the white men who even brought Christianity to you. Are they Christian anymore? They are not Christians. If you go to Europe, there are no churches. They are looking, they are begging for God. The ones whose eyes are still open, they are begging. They are looking for God. They are looking for a revival. A lot of them now are coming down to Africa for crusades, for conferences, to catch the fire to take back to Europe and to America. A lot of them, they need revival right now. Some of them thought it was business. Some of them thought it was just a joke because there were a lot of errors that happened with those who began it. Like it is in Africa right now. If care, I made a post on Facebook two days ago. I said there is no generation that have hated church and hated Christianity and hated Jesus like this generation. Because the past generation pointed to us one thing that Christianity is all about meeting needs you come to church you pray you will get married you come to church you pray you will get a job you come to church you pray you get a car you come to church you pray you get money so the new generation now is now thinking like the western people realizing that they can get certain things without prayer i can get a job without praying once i have a good credential i get into a good career i can get a job if i travel to us without prayer i can get light 247 if i travel to uk without 
without prayer, I can get good um, security. If I travel to Canada without prayer, I can get good taxing system. So they now begin to see that some things we are praying for in Africa does not need to be prayed about to get. So they now feel that the men of God are deceiving them. Their fathers who was carrying them to church, they saw their mother taking them to church every time poor. The mother will be sick. She will refuse to take drugs. She will say, I will pray. I have faith. The mother will die. The father will be sick. The father will refuse to go to the hospital. Say, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I am covered. The father will die. And at the end, they grew up with seeing that kind of Christianity. They hated church. They hated God. Hated everything. But the problem is not God. The problem is not church. The problem is not Christianity. It's the kind of people that handed down Christianity to us. Listen to me, everyone. Listen to me. That you have faith does not mean you should not take drugs. In fact, sometimes your faith should be drugs. That you have faith does not mean you should not take drugs. It is God that allowed doctors. Midwives has been existing as far as Exodus. God created midwives, created doctors. God is the one that made them. Are you following me? God is the one that made them. Your faith should not make you not take drugs. Let me explain now. Let me explain now. Now, there are two persons, Sister A and Sister B. And they are both sick on the hospital bed. And Sister A is having, let's say, um, cancer. Okay, that sounds more deadly. Let's, I don't know, any sickness that could lead to death in three months or so. I think cancer looks like that. Sister B2 is having even a lesser sickness. Let's say fever, malaria, typhoid, whatever. And Sister A begin to declare, I am born of I am born of the spirit. He that he that is above is above all. God lives in me. Greater is he that is in me that is above all. My body is immune against this. She begins to make confessions, begin to confess scriptures in faith. She begins to decree powerful decrees. She keeps her faith. They bring dogs. She says, No, I know what my God can do. I know what she kept declaring, declaring. Suddenly, Sister A becomes healed. She comes alive. And Sister B sees that Sister A is now healed and begin to say, ah, I know who I am. I'm the head and not the tail. I cannot die. I cannot do this. I cannot that. I cannot that. God is in me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. In him I live. In him I move. In him I have my be. Suddenly, Sister B dies. So now, the question is, what happened? Sister A confessed to God. Believed. Answer came. Sister B confessed to God believed answer did not come so what happened now that you believe sometimes is not enough all right your level of maturity your level of revelation matters are you following me confessions works on the ground of rima not just because you said it don't join people to do what they do if you don't know what is backing them. Don't join people to do what they do if you don't know what is backing them. A man like Bishop Oyedepo, we stand up and say, I can never be poor. So you too, we wake up. 
forgive me. Maybe you are a member of winners. You now stand up and say, I can never be poor. Bishop Oyedepo has dealt with the demons in his family background. Bishop Oyedepo has created financial institutions. He has one of the, we have four major universities in Nigeria. One of them, Covenant, is one of the best universities in Africa. Go Google it, you'll find it. One of the best universities in Africa. The Winners Chapel and Bishop Oyendepo, differently from the church, have one of the biggest real estate investments in Nigeria. He is the author of some of the largest books in the world. According to research of what I saw, they have a private jet charter company. So when he said, I can never be poor, even beyond prayer, there are structures, physical structures he had made available that will bring in revenues. So if he's spending one billion, two billion is coming in. If he's spending ten million, a hundred million is coming in. So with the revelation he have received from God, with the wisdom, with the idea is applying, a lot of structures around. He can be bold to say, I cannot be poor. But you, that your father in the village have not conquered the altars. You have not conquered the altars. You have not been able to get the same revelation. You are not reading the book he's reading. You are not seeing what he's seeing. You, don't, you can't explain where he's coming from. And you will now stand up and join the same thing. I cannot be poor. I can never be poor. The more you speak it, the more you see yourself becoming poor. And you are asking what is wrong. What you should do now is not to confess. is to sit down and go back to revelation. What does this man know that I don't know? What has he seen that I have not seen? What has he heard that I have not heard? It's a popular story that years ago, Bishop Boyedepo had the church and the church was not growing when they began Winner's Chapel. The church wasn't growing. People were not coming to church. And one day, he was on a very long fast, I think a 21 or 40 day fasting. He was fasting. And suddenly, while he was praying in church, praying every day, praying, he saw a cloud of darkness on top of the church, covered the whole church. And God said to him, stretch your hand and curse the darkness. So he stretched his hand and cursed the darkness in power. And the dark, he saw the darkness roll away like curtain and disappeared. And when that was done, the next day was Sunday. They were in church. Church was full. People began to enter church, began to enter church, began to enter church, began to enter church. And after service, he began to call some of them, say, come. You, I know you, your house is here. I've come to preach for you over 20 times. You did not come to church. You, I know you. You were the one that lived there. You, you pass here every day. Why have you not been coming to church? They say, hey, Pastor, since your church decided to change from White Garment Church to Pentecostal, that was how we started coming. We don't like White Garment Church. It was like, no, this church has never been a White Garment Church. He says, it's not true. Anytime we are passing, we see you wearing the white uh, what is it called? The white cassock, and you are tying the thing on your waist without slippers, and you are holding bell. And look at this. The church has never been a white garment. What happened? The darkness that was covering the church makes the people to see the church wrongly. The darkness over the church makes the people to see the church in a bad image. So everybody was avoiding the church. But the moment he broke that in, people began to see clearly. 
And that was how winners blew up. And you that have not broken your own darkness, you are declaring I cannot be poor. From where? To where? So people would say, would say, I've never taken drugs. I've never borrowed for 30 years. I've never begged. And you will now wake up. I cannot beg. I cannot borrow. Charlie, be humble. Until you get the revelation that a man has, be humble. Stay at your level. So the two persons now that died, one of them spoke out of revelation. The other one spoke out of, how do I call it now? Out of copy, 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 not revelation. All right? So please, the second time, the second, when you should not pray, the second point is when you should use your brain. Moses was saying to them, wait and see the salvation of God. Wait and see. God, is, God said, what are you saying? Move. So a lot of us, the things we should have done, we carried them to turn to prayer. The things we should have taken steps on. A man like Apostle Suleiman will make comments like, a man like me cannot take my life. He knows the kind of security that he has spiritually. He knows the kind of covenant he has with God spiritually. And you will now wake up without getting the same understanding and you begin to try to do the same thing the man is doing without the same revelation that this man has. This same man has been shot at directly over 10 bullets, nothing entered, several times. And you, that you don't even, you, you, you can't even hear God. You can't even see anything fly. You, there's no faith, nothing. You, you have not gotten rima. You now come out and you are looking for trouble. Say, a man like me cannot take my life. They won't even use man. It's Rottweiler they will send. They will send Rottweiler. You just send one. They won't, send, they won't use a man, no. They will just send Rottweiler. And just after you have chewed one of your leg, you will understand that Jesus is Lord. Please, don't start forcing prayer when you should use your brain. Now, some of you have dirty dishes in your kitchen. Your plate is dirty in your sink. All right, pray for the plates to be washed. Let's pray for the plate that the plate should be washed this morning. Will the plate be washed? Talk to me. Will the plate be cleaned? The reason is that God has given you hands. He has given you head to know that this plate has to be washed. A big head without sense is a load to the neck. Any head without sense is a load to the neck. Don't force prayer when you should use wisdom, when your brain should be used. A lot of people are praying about their relationship, but they keep doing the wrong thing. A lot of people are praying about their finances. They keep doing the wrong thing. Somebody who keeps getting into debt, somebody who keeps getting broke, who does not have a savings culture, who is spending more than they... Some of you, the problem is not that you are under attack. You are spending more than you are earning. 
Take your time. Write down your expenditure and check your life. You are spending more than you are earning. So you are not under attack. Your expenses are just too much. The income coming in are lesser than the demand on you. And for some of you, there's nothing you can do about it, about the spending. You can't cut it down. Your mother is there. Your father is there. Since you have chosen to become the Alpha and the Omega and the heir shall die of the family, your mother's problem is there. Your father's problem is there. Your younger ones is there. And your father and your mother, they are still healthy. They are still strong and young. I'm not saying you don't support them. Strong and young, but they have pushed all your siblings to you. How old are you? 30, 31. You, are, you, look, look, you look like 40 already. Your mother can work. Your father can work. They refuse to work or take up their own. When the thing was sweetened, then they were laying a lot of eggs. Is it egg? Right? Sorry. They were burning a lot of children. Burning, discharging them like somebody who is about uh, to fulfill, fulfill the word. They didn't know that they can't take care of them. But now, you at your very tender age, they have now pushed all the burden down to your throat. And before you know it, you will not finish your schooling. You will not plan your life. You will not take care of yourself. Then by the time you are 40, 50, you now realize that you have come back to the same pattern of your mother. You did not structure your life where your younger ones now who you push everything for are now focusing on themselves, their husband, their wife, and their children. And you are there angry that nobody cares about you. The problem is not them. The problem is your brain. You didn't use your brain well. I support family. Oh, yeah. But there are times that come, I tell my mom, I say, listen, this, for the next six months, everybody should avoid me. For the next three months, nobody should bring me any bill. I've done my part. I have a covenant monthly I send to my mom, to my dad. Every month, this one is for their upkeep, their feeding. But for my siblings, I tell them, I say, come, I've done. What do you want? I have a season. What do you want? What do you want? All right, take this, take this, take this. You am done. Your school fee is done. For the next few months, don't call me. Everybody understand that. My mom will say, you, you have tried. You have done your passage. Don't call me. It's time to focus on my life. Focus on my family. Moment I got married, I told them, before I got married, I said, anybody, whatever you need now, mention it now. Let me give you what you need. The moment I'm getting married, I'm focused on, focusing on me and my wife. Uh, we have to get a stable life. A lot of people are frustrated because of family burden. A lot of people are frustrated. Frustration. And they think God is not blessing them. God is blessing you. The problem is that the burden you are carrying is bigger than you. You have to sit down and plan yourself. Else, you will die before your time. Some prayers we are praying, they are not necessary. They are not necessary. A single lady who is earning a salary of 3,000 Ghana cities, in as much as the economy is tough, that money can take care of you. That money can parents. That money can clothe. But what is happening? You have auntie, uncle, auntie, children, nephew and nieces and siblings who you add. You pay school fees for every month, every semester. And by the time you put your income together, you won't even be able to pay. You have to now force everything up. At the end of the day, you are stranded. Please use your brain. It's a time to pray. It's a time to think. Give me Ephesians 30 verse 20. Let me show you something very quick. Ephesians 30 verse 20. Use your brain. Use your brain. Use your brain. I'm not saying abandon family. Me, I won't. I won't abandon my family. But know when to draw the line. I pity some of you who don't actually have family who are understanding. My mom will tell you, you, you have tried. Rest. Don't, don't worry about anybody again for now. You, you have tried. 
but some family what have you done for us listen even if you spill your blood now they will still reject you even if you spill your blood now they will still reject you so what do you do in such case be wise you need to create a tough skin be wise so what if you were not working what would have happened get my scripture Ephesians 3 verse 20 I'm done with this point already use your brain use your brain the truth is this if you die now that family will move on if you die now that's your brother who said he cannot work he will look for a job or he will look for a means to survive if you die now that your sister who said that without you oh without you I can't eat they will eat they will eat support them as much as you can but at the same time have a life for yourself have a life for yourself Ephesians 30 verse 20 look at this scripture very carefully look at this critically he said now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly that's talking of God now above all we ask that means prayer or think it means your brain are you following God will do what you pray about and what you use your brain to calculate for. So God does not only honor your prayer, God honors your brain. Think, think, think. Don't just pray, think. Think, 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 think. Use your sense. How do you keep dating wrong guys every time and you are praying? What are you saying? The same pattern in your relationship. You have dated four guys now for five, eight years, five years. The same people. There is something wrong with the way you think. A girl, every time she brings, she comes, say her relationship has broken. It has broken. They broke my heart. They broke my heart. Okay. Now get the guy. Let's see what has been going on. Get, you are not interested in yourself. Get the guy. She brought the guy. Those kind of guys that sack trousers. The trial, you see the boss side is showing. Yeah, at least you're even coming to see a man of God. You should be decent enough to try to dress well. The trouser is down. The guy has tattoo and has some um, dread and all that. I'm not against dread. I don't have issue with dread. And the guy is jumping like somebody that is having um, seizure. Bending at one corner and coming, coming, coming. Lady, who is this? Says, my, my fiancé I told you about. Why is he walking like that? Oh, that's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's swag. He has swag. So these are the kind of guys who have been dating. Yes, I like guys that have effect. Guys that have effect. So now we see why you can't get married. Now we know why. Guys that have effect, are not, they, are not, they can't be responsible. I'm not saying they are bad though. But how can a man, a, somebody who wants to become a father, still be sagging trousers? What happened to your sense? So you see the lady keep going through the same pattern, keep going through the same pattern, and yet she's praying. How do you solve this problem? The guy is the one that needs brain, not you. There's nothing wrong with you. So until this lady changes her choice now from this kind of guys, at the end of the day, she will keep rolling back into problem. She will keep rolling back into problem. She will keep rolling back into problem. Use your brain. Use your brain. There are things you are praying about your finances now. You don't need prayer. There are things you're praying about your career now. You don't need prayer. You've prayed enough. It's time to now get involved in strategic thinking. Strategic thinking. God, do what you ask and what you think. Stop pushing. A head without sense is a load to the neck. Apply wisdom. 
apply wisdom. Number three, when you should not pray. When you should not pray. When someone is rejected by God. First Samuel 10 verse 1. First Samuel 10 verse 1. Don't pray when God have rejected you. Or don't pray for a person when God have rejected them. God is very merciful. He hardly turned his back on his people. But the point comes when God says, hey, enough is enough. Enough is enough. First Samuel 10 verse 1. Then Samuel, sorry, give me First Samuel 16 rather. First Samuel 16 verse 1, sorry. First Samuel 16 verse 1. Thank you, Father. All right. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long without mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. So Samuel was praying for Saul. Despite he was the one that gave the prophecy and said, God said, the kingdom is taken from you. But he felt compassion and emotion that, ah, this guy was once good. What is wrong? God said, forget him. I've rejected him. I've canceled him. Go and anoint somebody else. So God is saying now, somewhere, any prayer you will pray at this time, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I have other things I need to attend to. I'm not interested. And the moment that happens, and somebody will say this Old Testament, give me 1 Corinthians 5 verse 5. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 5. And after that, get me 1 Timothy 1 verse 20. Oh, Barada, Shativa, Lakadon, Satasis. The moment God rejects a person, Prayers become waste. At this what a lot of us do. You know God is angry with you and you are still coming to ask for things. Oh God, give me. No. This at this moment you should be lying on your face, crying. Maybe God will show you mercy. First Corinthians 5 5. Say to deliver such as one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved. So Paul is saying there are kind of people that we should deliver to Satan. Yeah, Father, I hand over this person to Satan. And a lot of believers don't know another believer can hand you over to Satan. Your pastor, who understands authority, can hand you over to Satan. I see pastors who don't even understand authority or even have one. Will that begin to say, um, no, it takes it take certain dimensions. It can be handed over to Satan by another believer. You can be handed over to Satan by your man of God. Come, you have disobeyed me. You have disrespected me. Okay, from today, I give you to Satan. Satan, take over this one. And God will honor the prayer. First Timothy 1 verse 20. First Timothy 1 verse 20. Let's see what Paul did. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. 
Why is only one person posting my scripture? It's making it slow. It said, Of whom is Hermeneus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may not learn to blaspheme. So Paul is saying, This one, this one, I have given them to Satan. You saw it there. Paul said, I, not God, do. I delivered them to Satan. You see, when believers become arrogant, believers become, your man of God can give you to Satan as a seed. Yes, I'm not talking of, I'm not talking of end time, you now go to hellfire, then, no, no, now, now, you can be given to Satan now. Your suffering will start now. I think I shared a video on the platform some time ago, a man of God who, years ago, in Zimbabwe, it was very one of the richest men in Zimbabwe. We had private jets, had Bentley, Rolls Royce, Maserati, and all the best cars you can think of. I don't know what happened between him and the man of God. Um, let me mention the name, Prophet Ubatenje. And he sold the seed of a Bentley to Prophet Ubatenje, worth about $230,000 those days. So things began to happen. There were some um, crises and scandal on the man of God. And this man who gave the car went and demanded for the car back, that he wants the car back. And the man of God said, you brought the car on your own free will. So what is, why are you, we have already sold the car and put the money in ministry projects. Said, to hell with ministry projects. To hell with you and your God. Give me my car back. He took the man of God to court. The issue, if you check online, you still find it. Google it, you still find it. He took the man of God to court and all that and a whole lot and all that. And after a lot of this thing, the man of God was fined that the church should pay back, of which the church gathered the money, sold properties, and gave the money back to the man of God. Years later, this man began to suffer. Suddenly, a man who owned private jets, estates, cars, big cars, this man began to suffer, began to sell his property, sold his private jet, sold his cars, till there was nothing left. And he met another man of God in Nigeria, who was now prophesying, he didn't know what the problem was. He has prayed, he has gone everywhere, he has sown seed, done directions, until he met another man of God that said to him, said, the reason why you are suffering is that so, so years ago, you gave a man of God a car, and you took the car back. He said, God has been angry with you. So just by taking that decision, he was handed over to Satan. And Paul gave the reason why he's handing this man over to Satan. He said, this man is blaspheming. If you read, if you are a Bible student, one of the sins God said he will never forgive. He said, even if you insult Jesus, I will forgive you. Even if you insult God, I will forgive you. Even if you do anything, I will forgive you. He said, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Let's get Matthew 12, 31 to 32, so that some people who don't read the Bible, let's help them. Matthew 12, 31 to 32. Matthew 12, 31 to 32. Make it quick for me. Quick, quick, quick. Is somebody learning something this morning? Are you following this morning? Are you following this morning? So the third time you should not pray or the third reason you should not pray is when God has rejected you 
or don't pray for a person God have rejected. As a matter of fact, once you align yourself to somebody God have rejected, their judgment will follow you. Where's my scripture? This scripture are too slow this morning. All my admins are sleeping. Just imagine. Matthew 12, 31-32 And wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Look at the funny part now. Is it funny? It's not funny. The critical part. He said, and unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, that speaks of Jesus now, it shall be forgiven him. So you can even insult Jesus. God said, okay, I will forgive you. I don't, who is typing amen? I don't know what you're what you saying amen for. Don't say amen to what you don't know. Pay attention to the teaching, please. He said, if you speak against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, this is the critical part, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Okay? If you speak against Jesus, speak against God, speak against shall be forgiven. But once the Holy Ghost is involved, he say, forget it. Nothing can be done. Now, what is blasphemy? I, can I get another version of that scripture? Can I get a lighter version that we explain it without speaking a lot of grammar? Can I get another version? Where are my admins today? God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. God, forgive me for what, what did you do? Can I get my scriptures? I still have the word blasphemy. You should understand what I'm looking for already. I'm looking for a version that changed the word blasphemy. Where are my admins? Where are my admins? Get me a version that did not use the word blasphemy, that used something else. You should be checking out on message version TPT Amplified might even do a close justice to that. Alright, they are not coming. Now listen, blasphemy means one of the simple example of blasphemy is when you see a miracle and you say that it is fake. That is blasphemy. A man of God pray for the sick and the sick get healed, the cripple walk. You say it's fake. What you are doing is that you are blaspheming. Anytime you ascribe the power of God to Satan, all right? Anytime you ascribe the power of God to Satan, that is blasphemy. Let me see if I can do with what they have posted. So, um okay the message there is nothing done or said that can't be forgiven but if you deliberately look at it now so look at where blasphemy, blasphemy comes now if you the one with this post is the one i'm reading but if you deliberately persist in your slanders against god's spirit 
you are repudiating the very one who forgives. If you reject the Son of Man out of some misunderstanding, the Holy Spirit can forgive you. But when you reject the Holy Spirit, you are sawing off the branch on which you are sitting, severing by your own perversity or connection with the one who forgives. So it is saying that your forgiveness comes from the Holy Spirit. We have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Godhead. He said the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers your forgiveness. The Holy Spirit is the one that structures your forgiveness, structures your salvation. He said the branch you are sitting on in salvation is the Holy Ghost. If you offend Jesus by some way, he said, okay, when you come back to ask for mercy, there is hope. He said, but once you now offend the Holy Ghost, he said, forget it. You've already cut yourself off. You've already cut yourself off. Other scriptures that were posted were posted half, 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 half. All right, I think that have done justice to what I'm looking for. All right, blasphemy. So don't pray when God have rejected you. What you should be looking for now is how to make amends. Therefore, I will tell you that people will be forgiven for every sin. An insult, every an insult to God, but insulting the Holy Spirit won't be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the human, one will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit won't be forgiven. Not in his age, not in this age, or in that age coming. So God is saying, somebody who even committed murder, I can for as, as big as murder is. Huh? A, crime, a major offense, according to the Constitution. I can forgive. Somebody who committed adultery or fornication, okay, I'm angry, but I'll, I'll forgive. But he said, the moment you begin to speak against my Holy Spirit, he said, you have to go and look for your forgiveness somewhere else. You have to go and look for your forgiveness. So at this moment, it's a moment of rejection. You see those people who are speaking against miracles? Some of you are here. Some of you are guilty of this. If you are guilty of this, you've seen miracles. You've seen miracles happen on TV. Ah, it's fake. It's fake. Some of you, until you joined us, you used to speak against miracles or speak against prophecies. You see prophecies, yeah. How can somebody just be calling somebody's name where you don't know the person? They arranged it. It's fake. They arranged it. And now you are and now you are now the one in need of prophecy. You've seen miracles, blind eyes open, deaf here. You say, ah, forget it. They are the one. Blasphemy is simply ascribing the works of the Holy Spirit to Satan. That is what blasphemy is. The moment you begin to ascribe the things God is doing to Satan, you already blaspheme. So Paul said, such people should be donated to Satan. They, they, have, they have already been rejected. Alright? The only rescue is the blood. The only rescue is the blood. Is the blood. Please, I beg you, listen to me, everyone, listening to this now or later. Listen, anytime you are around a place, a church, you are watching on TV or you are in a house and they are doing what you don't like, don't say a word. Walk out or change channel. 
walk out or change the channel. That somebody is not doing it the way your church does it does not mean it's not real. You are listening to me. You have sat down with your friends, with your husband, with your wife, with your children, with your colleagues to blaspheme the works of a, of God or a man of God. Your, your duty now is to start crying to God for, for, for repentance and let the blood show you mercy because heaven will be against you. Please, I beg you at all costs. I'm not saying it because I'm a pastor. I've learned this long ago, even before I became a pastor. Never have an issue with a man of God. Not even verbally or otherwise. A young lady came to me for prayer some time ago. And while she came, Pastor, I can't get married. Nothing is working. I said, let's pray. While we're to pray. I said, what happened between you and the man of God? Eh, I, I don't mind that pastor. Eh, this thing happened. I said, you are still talking. Even when the pastor is no more there. I said, this is why you are going through what you are going through. That's all I see. Go back to him for forgiveness and go to God for mercy. And get what you want. Pastor, I can't go. I said, I can't help you too. It's not because of the man of God. But listen, there is something with the word we just mentioned, man of God. There is a man and there is God. I understand some people are using the understanding this, even those who are, who are ignorant of it, to try to misbehave. I'm a man of God. Bible said, touch not my anointed. Listen, that scripture is not just surrounded just to a man of God. Yes, well, the moment that the oil comes on anybody, please avoid the person. If the person even do you wrong, instead of you trying to have issues, go. Let God judge. Hey, what are you saying? We can judge. Listen, according to Bible, except you don't believe in God's word, according to Bible, God said, allow him to judge his own servant. Don't judge for him. All right? According to scripture, allow God to judge the one he called and anointed. Don't judge. The person have done things and all that, then go take it to God in prayer. All right? Outside that, take it to, you try to talk to the person, it's something you, you try to talk about, the person is not giving headway, take it to an authority over the person. Instead of trying to start insulting and fighting, listen, you might be right. That is the truth. You might be right in all your justification, everything you are justified. But at the end of the day, you might suffer for it. At the end, you might suffer for it. Let me give you one, one more example from the Bible. Just, uh, Moses, Marian, and Aaron. Marian happened to be the elder sister of Moses. Remember when the mother asked Marian to go and watch over the baby in a basket? It was Marian that was there. And Pharaoh came and took the child, and the lady came and spoke and all of that. So Marian was the one there. But when God called, God did not call Marian. God did not call Aaron. It was Moses God called. Moses now called Aaron. All right? If you read your Bible, God will always call Moses my prophet, and we call Aaron Moses' prophet. So Aaron was not God's prophet. Aaron was Moses' prophet. Let me explain better to you now. God called me, and some of my admins, I called them. So that you are prophesying does not mean God called you. I'm not saying that God can't use you. 
but using and calling is not the same. I called some of them, impacted them. God took of the spirit of Moses, placed on 70 men. All right? Placed it upon 70 men, that 70 men began to function according to what Moses can do. Prophesy, do miracles, and all of that. So calling and using is not the same thing. So now, Aaron was not a prophet to God. Aaron was a prophet to Moses. Yes, God uses God used him. God spoke through him. God did this through him. But his calling and loyalty was to Moses. Miriam too, the same thing. So one day, Moses came, brought a law and said, God said, nobody should marry a black, whether black man or black woman. Because then the blacks were involved in idol worship. So God said, nobody. See when people say, you, you see that God has been, been against black people. No, the problem was that the blacks were serving idol. So God was angry. And he said, nobody should marry a black. Everybody should marry, avoid them and marry from this place. <clears throat> and Moses went on and met a black lady who the family was not serving idol worship. And Moses married. So this was why God did not revenge Moses. So people don't understand. Moses now married the Ethiopian lady. And one day, Aaron and Miriam got angry. We are older than you by age. How do you tell us every time that God is speaking to you? You are saying that we should not marry black people. You are marrying black people. You are saying that we should not do this. We are doing this. You are saying that we should not. And you keep doing what you say we shouldn't do. And while they were talking, God got angry. Moses did not pray. Moses did not say a word. He didn't do anything. God got angry. He said to Moses, tell all of them to come out. Say, today, I will know who is the prophet among you. Today, I will know who is the prophet among you. Everyone that is I called, I speak to them mouth to mouth. Not those I talk to dream. Not those who hear me by their ears. But those who have seen me face to face are the one I called. Oh, yeah, come out. And they all came. The moment Miriam appeared, Miriam became leprous because Miriam was not a prophetess or a prophet. But Aaron, well, don't forget, he was a prophet to Moses. Moses ordained him. So now, God could not kill Aaron at that time or attack him because there is a law. Touch not my anointed. Even God is bound by his own law. All right? Even God is bound by his own law. So God could not touch Aaron also because the anointing was upon Aaron. So God left him, made only Miriam to have leprosy. But a day came when Aaron had committed other offenses. God said, tell him to come to the mountain. Aaron came. God said, take off. Then they used to wear what they call the ephod. Once you wear the ephod, then it is a mark that you are anointed. Take off the ephod, take off your priestly garment, drop the staff. The moment Aaron took them off, God killed him. So God said, the things that would have made me to commit offense, I've removed it. So now I, am, I can kill you legally. God killed him right there on the mountain. Aaron died. But as long as the ephod and those things was upon him. Have you seen men of God? 
have you seen men of God who are doing things you you see it wrong, committing offenses and all? And you're like, what? Some cry. You see them drink alcohol, doing things. You're like, ah, why is God quiet? Look at this thing. You think God is fake? The man of God is fake. I'm sorry. I'm not justifying them, but some is not fake. They understand that the anointing protects their career. That is why some are misbehaving. But what they don't know that there is a boundary. The anointing protects the carrier. Oh yeah. Never join an anointed man to do what you don't understand. Imagine a man like Moses. Moses went to sleep with Bathsheba. You now went to carry another person to sleep with. By the time God is showing David, sorry. By the time God is showing David mercy, you will be dying. Yeah. You will see David is still alive and okay, but you will die. A child died for the sin David committed. Why? A covenant was upon his life. That I will show you that till me and you, you shall be to me a son, I will be to you a father, not just a God now. I have a covenant on you. I will never touch you. I will never kill you. Even your child, Solomon, the same thing. God said to David, say your son Solomon, he will be a son to me. I will be a father to him. I will never make allow anything bad to happen to him. Say, but there's a condition. There's a condition. He should never follow another God. The moment he follow another God, then I will leave him. And despite all the errors Solomon committed, God was with him. The day God left him was the day he began to serve other idols because that was where the covenant ended. The day you serve another idol, my hands are off you. That was the covenant. But as long as you are doing, you are not serving another idol, then I'm with you. Anything you do, I will forgive you. And God told David, "Say, my mercy, we never, I will never take my mercy from him that is coming after you like I took it from him that was before you. So Solomon enjoyed mercy, but pride and arrogance allowed him to begin to marry women who their father served idol. And he began to serve idol. That was where his destruction came in. Right, I've dwelled on this point too much, but I hope I've been able to explain something to someone. Don't pray when heaven has rejected you, or don't pray some for someone heaven has rejected. The only prayer that is potent at that moment is to pray if God can show mercy. The person has to repent genuinely. The only time you should pray is if God can show mercy. That is it. Outside that, every other prayer. I've met people who are at the point of death. I know that prayer can save. And when I'm about to pray, God said, no, this one can't live. This one will die. I'm like, God, why? God said, okay, look at what they did. Look at what they did. Look at what they did. And now I know that, okay, now there's a covenant they have broken. All right, what have you done wrong? At this moment, repentance is not forced. That I heard what you did does not mean I can save you. You need to confess what you did to get saved. That's how repentance works. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart. And what happened? What did you do? Not you know, not you know. But God is telling me that you did something wrong. Some will end up telling half of it. Some will end up thinking they are dealing with a man, not knowing they are dealing with God. And I've seen people die like this again and again. I've seen it severally. I've seen it severally. I've seen it severally. If you are to joke with anything, don't joke with your own life. Don't joke with your own life. How can you be lying to your deathbed? Huh? How can you be lying to your deathbed? It doesn't pay. Number four, when you should not pray. 
Number four, when there is offense. Don't pray when there is offense. Give me Mark 11, 25, 26. Matthew 5, 23 to 25. Mark 11, 25, 26. Matthew, 20, Matthew 5, 23 to 25. So a lot of us keep saying there's no answers to prayer. But we are doing the wrong thing. We are living the wrong way. We are taking the wrong steps. And at the end of the day, we say, why is God not hearing my prayer? Why is God not hearing my prayer? Get my scriptures. Get my scriptures. Mark 11, 25, 26. Matthew 5, 23 to 25. All right, look at this. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and come and offer thy gift. Agree with, okay, I'm done. 24 is fine. So are you seeing what Jesus is saying? You come to church, you brought a seed. You brought an offering. You brought thanksgiving, whatever, sacrifice. And you now remember that you're having an issue with somebody. He said, don't pray. Don't pray. Drop it. Don't carry it to. I'm angry. I'm angry with somebody. I don't remember. Let me carry it back. He said, no, drop it. Then go. Settle with the person. Say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. He said, when you are done, then you can now come back and pray concerning the offering you drop on the altar. So a lot of people are sacrificing on top offense. A lot of people are paying tight on top unforgiveness. And at the end, I've been tightening. I don't know what is wrong. I've been tightening. I don't know why I've been giving seed. I don't know what is wrong. I know you have been tightened, but yet you have not forgiven your mother. You have not forgiven your husband. You have not forgiven your friend. You are you still have on. He said, the moment you bring your seed to the altar and you now remember that there is an offense between you and somebody, say, please don't give. Don't give. Don't give. Drop it. Drop it. Run home. Go and ask for mercy. The moment you receive forgiveness, then come back and come and pray. So it is not actually in how what you give, how you give what you give. The heart, it is coming from matters to God. It matters to God. Give me the next scripture. Mark 11. 24, 20, 25, 26 rather. Mark 11, 25, 26. Oh God, I thought somebody was, what's happening today? And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespass. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive. So he said, the moment you come to prayer, and you now remember that somebody has offended you, or there's an offense between you and somebody. Say so the right thing you do now. Who offended who does not matter. He said, forgive. Forgive. In fact, when it comes to the issue of forgiveness, it is a two-way thing for God. It's a two-way thing. Number one, don't let anybody be angry at you and don't be angry with anybody. That's how it works. You offended someone and somebody's unhappy. 
God said, don't allow it. Somebody offended you. God said, don't be angry. If you get angry, forgive. It's a two-way thing for God. So whether the person is the one angry with you or you are angry with somebody, he said, don't keep offense. Be angry. Yes, it's worth getting angry about. Somebody did something grievous. It is worth getting angry about. He said, but don't keep offense. Forgive and move on. That was why Jesus used children to give example to Peter and said, anybody who must enter the kingdom of heaven must be like these children. If you know children, I'm not talking of children of this generation. <laughs> children of this generation, dear, they are wiser than you. If you know children very well, when you beat a child, the child will cry and run and run. Later, the child will come back still for you to play with. Are you getting what I'm saying? A child of one year, I think maybe two years or even lesser, all right? When you beat them, they will cry, 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 cry. They will still come back to you and want you to carry them. But a child who, who had now grown to knowledge, when you beat them, tomorrow they will remember, say, you are the one that beats me. I won't come to you. I, you are the one. That's not the kind. So God is saying you should behave like an infant. That age, when you will beat the child, and the child will still come back and still love you, despite you are the one. God said that's how you should behave as a Christian. When it comes to forgiveness, that is how your character should be like. All right? That is what he's saying. So on forgiveness, God is on both sides. Whether you were offended, whether they offended you, forgive. Number five, when you should not pray. Number five, when your spouse is unhappy. Don't pray when your spouse is unhappy. First Peter 3 verse 7. I know this one, there's more it shock you. You see, a lot of us are the ones hindering the answers to our prayers. First Peter 3 verse 7. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I have four more. Let's be done. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto, unto the weaker vessel, and as being hers together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. All right. So the Bible is saying that your prayer can be, listen now, listen, listen, let me say this to everyone. You see what a lot of women will say? Yeah, the Bible says husband. So if I'm angry with you, your prayer will not be answered. Listen to me. It also happens on the, the other way around. Okay? If the husband is also angry, you can't use this scripture now to start offending your husband and say that it's only the prayer of men that will not be answered. No, that's not what it is. Even women. If your husband is angry with you, don't pray. Reconcile first. How can you be in nice vigil and your husband is at home? Both of you left, went angry and you are there praying. Father, bless me. Father, bless me. From where? To where? Some of you cry, we come for program or go to church and you are using it directly to channel the prayer back to your husband. Oh God, as many as they are, that say I will not be happy. Father, take their happiness. They will not be happy. Anyone planning against my happiness, they will not be happy also. Who is she praying against? The husband. You see the man praying, anyone as a Jezebel in my life, oh God, let judgment. God says, God says, the moment you have issues with your husband, with your wife, please go and 
apologize before you pray, else you are wasting your prayer. 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 So I a man here. You are wondering why God is not answering your prayer. Check your wife. Happy wife, plenty answers. You are a woman here. You are wondering part of why your prayers are not being answered. Check how you treat your wife. I say this to men often. Some of them feel like um, I'm supporting the women. No, I'm not. I'm not. A man whose wife and children are happy, it is difficult for that man to struggle. I'm not saying your wife is pretending to be happy. Genuinely happy. Genuinely happy. It is difficult for that man to struggle. I'm telling you the truth. God is blessing you. Your wife cannot wear good clothes. Your wife cannot feed well. Your wife is not happy. You always shout her down. She has no freedom of our life. Nothing. That man will struggle to prosper. I'm not saying when you marry a Jezebel, one wicked woman that is just misbehaving and all that. Nah. The man will have a lot of issues. When you marry a good godly woman and that woman is unhappy, that man will suffer. It's a matter of time. It might not be now, but give it time. So when your, ha- your spouse is unhappy, please, before you open your mouth and say, Father, the first thing you do is go to your husband, go to your wife, I'm sorry, forgive me. It won't happen again. Make peace. So if not for anything at all, for your prayers alone, make peace. Make peace. Make peace. Don't pretend it. Don't fake it. Make peace. And madam, when they come to apologize, accept. Stop behaving like Jezebel's daughter. Accept apology. Boss, when they come to apologize, accept. Stop behaving like king of Babylon. And I start behaving like one, this thing. That, that's that. What is wrong with you? Accept the apology and move on with your life. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I say to women, eh? I say to women, Jezebel was a bad queen. Jezebel was bad everything. But it's, she was never a bad wife. If it's in your blood, remove it. That's why as a believer, you don't live by your blood. You live by your spirit. As a believer, you don't live by your blood. You live by your spirit. So if it's in your blood, leave your blood and forgive from the spirit. Jezebel was everything, but she was never a bad wife. If a Bible call her the mother of wardom, that means the mother of harlot. Bible call her the mother of witchcraft. Yeah. Jezebel was the first originator of witchcraft on earth. Yeah, yeah. When you trace witchcraft, you will find it. It began from Jezebel. She's the mother that gave birth to, Je- to witchcraft. But she was everything bad, but she was never a bad wife. She always took care of the husband. In fact, if you touch the husband, Jezebel will tell the husband to go and sleep. Don't worry. Jezebel will come back home. She will see the husband unhappy. This is, everybody knows what the word Jezebel is. Even if you don't know, you have prayed against the spirit of Jezebel before. That tells you how bad it is. She will come back home. The husband is unhappy. She will ask the husband, why are you unhappy? He said, I wanted to buy a car. And I got there. Somebody has bought the car. And I wanted to pay for it too. It's not even free. He said, who bought the car? He said, that man there, Mr. John. Okay. You want the car? I said, yes. How much was the car? He said, 10 billion. Okay. No problem. Sit down. Is that why you are crying? 
clean your eyes. A woman, clean your eyes, sit down. She will go. Go to where the, the person that bought the car is. Kill the person, collect the car, bring it to the husband. Say, this is your car. How did you get it? Say, don't worry. I got you, baby. Don't worry, baby. I got you. I know somebody will say, what's pastor saying? Where is it in the Bible? A man called Naboth. A man called Naboth had a land. Ahab was interested in the land. And Ahab went to Naboth and said, I want to buy your land. Naboth said, no. This land is a family inheritance. My father left it for me. My father's father left it for my father. So we can't sell a family property. So please, look for another land to buy. And Ahab was sad. Ahab went home. While he got home, the wife came and said, why are you sad? He said, I, went to, I want to buy the land of Naboth. And Naboth refused, said his family land. He said, you, do you want the land? He said, are you sure? I said, yes, okay, go and sleep. Stop crying. Why would you be crying? Go, stop crying. And she went out, framed up Naboth with the elders of the land. They stoned Naboth to death. He took the land, gave it to Ahab. A wife, a wife was doing that for the husband. But today's generation, no. Today's one, there be, if you don't buy shawarma, you don't buy shoe, you don't buy the bag, you don't buy this thing. They are always the one taking. They are always the one collecting. They are always the one, do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me. But a wife, a wife. Jezebel was a witch. She was a harlot. Everything you can think of. Even the day she died, she had already made, dressed up as a harlot. When Jehu came to kill her, she was already dressed up as a harlot. And they threw her down and she died. But yet, she was not a bad wife. So some of us, I don't know where we learned our own from. If you look back to your Bible and ask yourself, the first woman was Eve. With all the bad things that happened between Adam and Eve, Eve messed up, God messed everything up, Adam began to suffer, there was no divorce. They still stayed together. In fact, God told them, I've left you. I will not follow you again. Both of them stayed together. Eve got pregnant, began to give birth. Your own. Nobody have offended God. Nobody God have rejected among both of you. Just because there are issues, the next thing is divorce. So you should ask yourself, which Bible are you reading? With all Jezebel was, there was no divorce in her marriage. You are not Jezebel. Neither is your husband Ahab. You poor are better. Blood washed, born again. And yet, you are going for divorce. If you ask yourself, what is it that you can't forgive? What is it that you can't forgive? I don't know. Listen, listen. Please, I spoke to my admins yesterday. Everyone, please keep checking your heart too. Now, you don't look like who cannot forgive until certain things happen. You say, ah, ah, no. Ah, what is it? It's over. No, 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 no. How can my wife cheat? No, I'm, I'm not endorsing cheating. I'm at all. In fact, the Bible said the ground to divorce is, to cheat, is cheating. That is the ground for divorce. But at the end of the day, God said, that is if you cannot forgive, then divorce. That's the only legal ground in the Bible. Today we have added other means to, to divorce. But the only legal ground in the Bible to divorce is when a party cheats. He said, you can take the step. Outside that, he said, if you divorce outside that, you, you have no right to remarry. As long as you are the one that ensued the divorce, 
You have no legal right to get married again. Your husband is doing something, doing whatever you don't like and all that, and it's not according to Bible, and it's not cheating. And you now go to court, say you want to divorce, both of you divorce. Say you, you that is the one that went to initiate the divorce, say you should never marry again till you die. Say anybody that marries you is committing fornication. It's in your Bible. I know you will not read it because you are stubborn. Please, all I'm saying is this. Forget the divorce. Forget the whatsoever. All I'm saying is this, Let us grow to a place of love. Let us grow to a place of tolerance. Let us grow to a place of forgiveness. Let us grow. All right. So when your spouse is angry, your prayers will be hindered. Please, don't leave home to church. Some of you, your temper has become too high that... It takes you days now to cool down like a generator. You, you, not, you behave like a dam now. You behave like a dam. When the water is not high enough, you cannot cool down. You are like a high-tension wire, a transformer. It takes days for you to calm down. You have to check if you have not become a witch or a wizard. No, you need to check. You need to check. You are like a car that the engine is bad. Overheating. You always do overheating. Overheating. Once they offend you, it takes three days. Three days. Don't talk to me for three days. Don't touch me for three days. Check yourself. Check your heart. There's something wrong. Oh, pastor, we are human beings. Um, I'm a woman. No, you are not a human being. You're not a woman. Something is already wrong with you. That's not how God made you. There's something spoiling inside of you. Go and fix yourself. Go to God in prayer and tell him, Father, fix me. Fix me. Cry to him, Father, fix me. Number six, when you should not pray. Don't pray when you are not ready to continue in prayer. Yes. Don't pray when you are not ready to continue in prayer. If you read the book of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, it said, pray without ceasing. Luke 18, verse 1 said, men ought always to pray and not to fence. 1 Timothy 2 verse 8, it said, I wish everyone, wherever you find yourself, you lift up your holy hands, praying always. 1 Timothy 2 verse 8, lifting up your holy hands, praying always. Daniel chapter 10, 12 to 13, the Bible said Daniel prayed and his answer was hindered by the prince of Persia for 21 days. But because he continued praying, answer was released. Now let me tell a lot of you what happened to you. You start to pray or you go to prayer and after you've prayed you've prayed against witchcraft prayed against altar praise against demon every altar die every witch die every demon die then you now go on break now what you just did by the prayer is that you just initiated a warfare all right you just initiated a battle like all right you devil fighting me show yourself so by the time you stop is when the devil now came so all right now i've come and that is when you have gone to rest. What will happen? They will beat you. Yeah. They will beat you. Matthew 12 said, oh, I think from, from verse 43, he said, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, it goeth round through dry places, seeking where to find it. Say, when he findeth none, it will come back to the house where it left. When he find it swept, garnished, it will go and bring seven more wicked spirits than himself. Then the first previous state of that man will be worse than the next level the man will be in. So anytime you know you are not ready to continue praying, please don't pray. You will increase your problem. 
Are you hearing me? You will increase your problem. So tonight, you said you want to do vigil. And you now wake up, Father, every coven, every coven, fire, every coven, fire, every coven, fire. So now you have now prayed and you're able to succeed to release certain amount of confrontation against witchcraft, against the coven. Something has happened there. The next thing they will do is they will trace back where did the, where the this thing come from? Who sent this fire? Who spoiled our charm? Who loosed our goods? Who is trying to set free the people we have tied in bondage? So they will come back. So by the time they get back, you now thought that the prayer was just one day. You've gone to sleep. You've gone to sleep. So by that time, as you now come back, that is when you realize that your problem now have increased. Things were fine before you prayed. But after you prayed, things became bad. The reason is because you stopped praying. The reason is because you, you were not ready for warfare. You just engaged little and you went on break. No, don't pray if you are not ready to pray continually. Don't pray if you are not ready to continue in prayer. You're going to put yourself in a big trouble. Even if it is 30 minutes, just make your prayer. The, listen, listen. The strength of, the, of spiritual things is in consistency. The strength of spiritual things is tied up in consistency. Continuing, 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 continuing. What are my admins that are posting scripture? You are asking me to do. You are asking me pa. First Thessalonians five verse seventeen, Luke eighteen verse one, First Timothy two verse eight. They didn't even post anyone because I was quoting fast. Is where. Luke eighteen verse one, First Timothy two verse eight, Daniel ten twelve to thirteen. When you are not ready to continue in prayer, please don't pray. Don't pray. Don't pray. And the last scripture I quoted was Matthew 12 from verse 43 to the last verse. He said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it goes around dry places seeking where to find rest. When he finds none, he will come back. So when you pray, you confront demons. When you pray, you confront altars. When you pray, you confront spirits. All right? But when you don't stay in prayer consistently, those demons that left you, they will want to come back. The thing you confronted, we come and check who is fighting us. Let's know if we will surrender or we'll continue fighting. But when they now come back, they discover that the person fighting them is not even serious. They will make sure they flog you. They will make sure they flog you. Enough flogging. Enough flogging. Please, it is better you don't confront the demonic kingdom unseriously. On, on don't be unserious confronting the demonic kingdom. It's better you don't even start at all. It's better you don't even start at all. It's better you don't start. I read a story years ago of a pastor who became mad. He went to pray for a mad person. They called him that somebody was mad. He went there, laid hands on the madman. He became mad. True life story. Somebody else had become blind, praying for a blind person. You spirit of blindness out. He became blind. A few weeks ago, I saw my father, Paul Suleiman, praying for someone who was attacked. He went to, the father had stroke. He went to pray for the father. He was attacked. He had issue with his body. So you must be sure to be equipped. 
You can pray other prayer, but when it comes to attacking darkness, be careful. I saw this thing of a, a pastor also days ago who was attacked because he went to burn a shrine. He went to burn down some idol and he was attacked. You must be sure of your stand where you are. Don't carry zeal without knowledge. Alright? Like I said earlier, there are two kinds of believers. One believer who goes to idol and go to church or believe in family tradition and go to church, ah, there's nothing wrong. You can go to Juju and go to church. You can go to festival. You can eat uh, food given to idol and still go to church. There's nothing wrong. It's the same. Now, that is one side, which is wrong. Now, there's another believer who believes, I don't go to idol. I don't go to Juju. I don't do anything to hell with idol. And yet, they have no fire in them. These two angles is wrong. These two sides is wrong. Last night, I saw a story a man that died. What killed him? Juju is a Christian. Now, listen, we need to understand how the word of God works. Don't take one part and leave one part. He was owing somebody. They had business. He was owing somebody. He was guilty, owing someone. And the person have done everything, every legal means to get the money back. They refused to pay. The person went to summon him to the village idol. And from the village idol, they sent him a letter that come, and pay your debt or come and explain yourself. Somebody have summoned you here. And he said to hell with the idol. He will not go. They gave him days. He didn't go. Gave him another extra pardon. He didn't go. And what they do, this thing they call a, I don't know what they call it. There's this gun that they put on the ground. They shoot, what do they call it again? I forgot the name. This is they shoot at funerals. They put it on the ground and they put some gunpowder and they light it and it shoots out. What's the name again? Alright, whatever. That was what they, they now did. And the moment they shoot that thing, then the idol is released to go and look for the person and kill. It's not thunder. There's this thing they shoot at funerals or... No, not knockouts. There's another name I know. I know it for. You know, there's a common name. They put gunpowder. They plant it on the ground. It has metal. You normally find it at traditional event. They put it and they light it and it shoot. Whatever. You know what I'm talking of. All right. That's what you are calling. It's not English language. That's your local language. The Lord is your strength. So whatever. As long as you understand what I'm saying. So they will do that. They will call the name of the person. And the idol will go and kill the person. So they did it and the man died. All right, they did it, and the man died. And the man is a Christian. So why did he die? Is he is a Christian? So he should have been alive. Why this thing? Is, oh, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Listen, listen. If you are, that's what Bible said. You should forgive. I told you forgiveness. God, when it comes to forgiveness, God deal on two sides. When you know that you are the one that is wrong, please. Don't stand and be saying, Christ is in me. I am untouchable. You, they will touch you. They will touch you. I'm telling you the truth. You will be touched. And the touch in there, it will be serious. You offend people. You said to hell, I'm a Christian. Nothing can happen to me. No weapon fashion again. Weapon will fashion. Weapon. It will only fashion. They will add fashion designing to the weapon. It will fashion and design. It design eh? Once you are wrong... Can I give you a scripture that will help you this morning? Can I give you a scripture that will help you? Let me give you a scripture that's going to help you. My time is already out. 
Matthew 5 from verse 25. I think to 27 or 28. Matthew 5, 25. Please, I have two more points. I want to finish this today and we are done. We have 10 minutes left. Matthew 5. Help me with that scripture quick, please. Matthew 5 from verse 25. If you understand this scripture, your life will be easy. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. You will die. I beg you. Don't be arrogant and proud. Look at this. Agree with thy adversary quickly. If you have a Bible or a good um, phone Bible, you will see the writing in red. Every writing in red means that Jesus is the one speaking. All right? Every writing you see in red, whether in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, it means that Jesus is the one that is talking. That is what it means. Okay? Now look at this now. If you have your Bible now, you cover that this letter is in red. Look at this. Agree with thy adversary quickly. You know what adversary means, right? Can I please somebody help me with another version? When, when I'm done with this, give me another version. Give me another version. Agree with thy adversary quickly. Wise thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge. The judge is not talking about only a legal system. Like the example of the man we just spoke about, taking into an idol, that was a judge. If he had agreed with the adversary quickly and settled it, the man would have been alive. Don't use Christianity to play jokes after being wicked to people. You now come and say you are a Christian, nothing can happen to you. Things will happen. Less at any time, the adversary delivered it to the judge, and the judge delivered it to the officer, and thou be cast in, into prison. Look at verse 26. Say, Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So you will spend more than what you were owing. Please give me another version if you have, please. Thank you, message. Or say you are out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. The first move there is not to run. Will follow now. Make the first move. Make this right with him. You are doing something wrong. Somebody caught you. Don't say, What can you do? To hell. I'm not, don't do that. Don't even start the, the brawling. He said, Please apologize. Make this right with him. After all, if you leave the if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you are likely to end up in court and maybe even jail. This is your Bible. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. All right. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. Who is taking you to court? Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have spared the last penny. Let me read this lastly. Be sure to make the to make friends quickly with your opponent while you are with them on their way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge. The judge will turn you over to the officer of the court and you will be thrown into prison. And I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there until you've paid the very last penny. So listen, life is easy. Why are we stubborn? Life is easy. Why are we stubborn? Why? Why? Life is easy. 
Just don't be stubborn. Just don't be arrogant. Take the right path and live at peace with yourself. You know you are wrong. And the man is dead now. So the family will not start planning for funeral. And in some culture, when somebody dies that way, they have to now, the idol will now seize the dead body. You have to now go and appease the gods. They have to buy a cow, pay fine. The, your family will still pay the debt that you are owing. So why be stupid? Don't say you are a believer and somebody is carrying you to idol. You know you are wrong. If you are not wrong, you have no issue. All right, but he said adversary, which means there's something you have done wrong. Don't be wrong and be proud. Number seven, don't pray when you are in disobedience. We're talking about when you should not pray. Number seven is when you are in disobedience. First Samuel 28, 25 to 28. And Job 36, 11 and 12. First Samuel 28, 25 to 28. I have one more point. Okay, two more and I'm done. Help me quick. First Samuel 28, 25 to 28. Job 36, 11 and 12. Please, life is easy. Let's make our left life easy. Stop. Avoid problems. Avoid, learn to let some things go. No, we must talk about it. No, we must avoid. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. All right, get me the 25 then. Get me the one that ended it. He said, If they obey him and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. But if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. So disobedience will rather attract death to you. Alright? Disobedient will rather attract death to you. 25 is the last. Alright, get me back to from verse um, I think verse 15. I, I, I missed it out. First Samuel 28. Get me from verse 15. Let me see. Get me from verse 15. Yes, 15. Sorry for that. Thank you, Father. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? Saul went to summon the spirit of a dead man, which was the prophet Samuel. And Saul answered, I am so distressed. Look at this now. For the Philistines make war against me. Look at, look at it now, look at it. And God is departed from me. God answered me no more, neither by a prophet nor by dreams. Therefore, therefore I have called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. God have rejected you. Why are you coming to me? So God does not speak to him again by prophet. When prophecies come, either they are a lie, or prophets will not even see anything at all. Yes, it happens to people. It happens to people. The moment you begin to walk in disobedience, your prophecies will become fake. Your prophecies will not come to pass. Or God, the prophet will not even see anything about you. Will not see anything. And yet he's praying. Then somewhere, 
Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and is become thy enemy? Give me the next verse, two more, two more verse quick. And the Lord had done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord had rent the kingdom out of thy hand, and had given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his first wrath upon Amalek. Therefore had the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. So, God was no more talking to him. He now decided to go and summon a wrong spirit. Listen, the moment you begin to walk in disobedience, your Next thing you should do now is not to be asking God, Father, give me, give me. What you should do now is to be crying for mercy. I remember somebody, Mrs. Ika, we know what, what I'm talking about. Somebody who was joining us on prayer on this platform. and was complaining things we had that one day God opened my eyes. I said, Madam, come, there's something going wrong. Look at, I'm seeing something you are doing. Look at this, look at this, look at that. And she said to me, hey, Pastor, uh, I can't, I know. I'm doing it is true. I can't stop it. Look at the reason. Look at it. I said, no, it doesn't matter. God is not happy. Stop it. She got angry. Stopped coming online. And funny enough, I had this safe post number on WhatsApp. I will have a number saved. I will make posts. She will now be correcting me. Pastor, why will you say that? That's not how the Bible said it. That's not how this thing. I'm like, you are you you are you came to learn. You are now my teacher. I won't reply her. After she has discovered for a while, I don't reply. One day she now message, and Pastor, I'm sorry if I didn't put it where, and if I, but that thing you said, that's not how we said in the Bible. Oh, you now know Bible more than me, no problem. I kept quiet. I didn't reply. T date, I didn't reply. Few days ago, I saw my phone ringing, 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 ringing. My phone was ringing. I saw the person, it looked like somebody, and I didn't take the call. Over five or two, eight missed calls. I called back yesterday. Hey, Pastor, it is me. This and this. I said, I can't remember who said this. I said, okay, how are you doing? And all that and was whatsoever. Because of Mrs. Ikant, the husband is the reason why I even responded. Oh, this day I was like, okay, what's the issue? Say, Pastor, help me. Say, Pastor, my eyeballs are out of my eyes. One of my eyeballs is out of the eyes. It's about to fall out. I'm in pain. I'm in pain. All that came to my head was, I will pray, oh, if I don't pray, Satan will make mess of me. You had the opportunity to pray. I, I gave you hints of things that were to come. I told you, I told you, look at this, look at this, look at it. Avoid this and stay in prayer. But you now choose to become my teacher. That was the only one that came to my head, though. If I don't pray, Satan will make mess of me. If not that, it would have been extremely sarcastic. That's the song I wanted to sing for her. But I, I felt her pain. I felt her pain. I had to just pray for her. I don't know. Listen, don't wait to pray when you are already at the end of crisis. Pray when you have the means. You know, a, lot of you, a lot of you, you are too big for me to counsel. You are too big for me to pastor. So I can't, I don't, I can't, I don't talk to you. I can't talk to you. All I do is to teach you. I will leave you, continue what you want to do. I will do my own thing. Simple as it. There are people I will never advise again. In my, I won't. Never. If they call me, I will pray. 
Hey, Pastor, what should I do? I will say, I don't know. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm serious. Even on this platform, I don't know. Pastor, what is God saying? I will tell you what God said. So what should I do? I don't know. Whatever you feel like, do. They are too big for me to advise. They are too big for me to talk to. They are too big for me to counsel. They are too big for direction. So they have their own things. Only when they are in problem, they will now run back. When things are fine, pew, they will now go. Like somebody asked me days ago, Pastor, do you still pray for me? I said, Madam, I used to send in tithes and offering. A few days ago, in I said, 100 Ghana I was laughing. You are giving me pressure. Listen, I said this to my admin. No, let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. You are chopping your tithe and offering. Don't give me headache. If you want to give me headache, send me money so that when the headache comes, I can buy para. Eh? You can't be chopping your tithe and offering and be giving me headache. You are giving somebody a tithe and offering. And when problem crisis comes, you will not bring the crisis to me. And then, if I have headache now, I will like buy paracetamol. Somebody's ask money, I need to buy. No, no, it doesn't work like that. If you chop your tights, chop your problem. So if you don't know the kind of attacks we go through for you, you don't know. Somebody was, I was, some, I was talking with somebody a few days ago, and she was telling me how she prayed. She prayed some prayer, and she saw herself in the village, and she was attacked. I understand what she was saying. She didn't understand. I told her, I said, look at what I saw about you a month ago. That was around when the thing happened. I said, look at what happened. Look at what happened. She was shocked. I said, Pastor, how did you know? I said, I saw it. So the, the prayer she prayed, she prayed a, a lot. Listen, prayer is powerful and dangerous. She prayed a lot that she now entered the spirit realm. She was able to transit from the natural into the prophetic dimension. But you don't enter if you are not covered. God gave you a pastor for a reason. Don't be too big. She now prayed into the prophetic realm, which is good. But you need to understand how to navigate into the spirit realm. And she entered and began to pray and do all kind of things. We say when she woke up, her head began to bang. I told her, I said, look at what I saw. Look at when I saw it. Look at it. He said, it was the same period. The same thing happened. I said, okay. But me, I can enter the same place and I will come back. I, I prayed for some people and I I got, I, I prayed for somebody one day, finished praying for the person and became sick instantly for two weeks. Yeah. For two weeks, it has never happened to me in my life. Never. In my all my years of being a pastor, it has never. I began to ask God, what is on God? I said, look at, look at, look at, look at the reason. This person was supposed to die. You took it without knowing. For two weeks, Mrs. Sika was aware of it. I was taking treatment, taking all kind of, I was throwing up like my intestine was to come out. My wife was afraid. Throwing up, stooling, because I prayed for somebody who was pregnant. They have already marked to kill the person and kill the baby. And I prayed. That was how I took the person's punishment. And the same people, most of the time, they are the first to insult the man of God. Same people, are the, most of the times, are the first who don't even remember the man of God. The same people, if, if, if God forbid, if something happened to me, the best thing the person would do is to put picture on the DP. Say, oh, he was a nice pastor. I can't die. The covenant on me is stronger than me. Nah, not now. Nah, I can't die. I'm not ready. But I'm letting you know the kind of risk we put ourselves on the line for you. 
The little you could do, and it's biblical, it's not a biblical. The little you could do is to respond back by a giving of love. That is the little you can do. It's in the Bible. The Bible says those that teach you the word, give back to them. Take care of them. It is in your Bible. But some of you, now, nah, no, it doesn't concern you. The only time you give is when your giving is in. It has to be a direction. It has to be a business. You want to get married, give. You want to get pregnant, give. You want to get this. When it comes to work, you do it out of love. Nah, it's not your business. You will never do. You will never do. It is wrong. I have prayed for people who were trusting God for a baby. They got pregnant. They didn't tell me. Some gave birth. They didn't tell me. I have prayed for people who were looking for visa. They got the visa travel. They didn't tell me that they have gotten visa or they have traveled. Till now, till now, till now. They didn't tell me. Who am I? I know nothing. We thank God for using us. I'm going to stop here this morning. I'm going to stop here because of time. Our time is already up. But I pray for everyone listening to me. May heaven not reject your prayer. May heaven not reject you. May heaven not reject your prayer. May heaven not reject you. May mercy never depart from you. The hand of God keep you. The hand of God keep your family. In the name of Jesus. Whatever you have done. Whatever you have said, that we make God to turn his back on you, that we make God to close his ears on you. So this morning, I stand in the gap and I cry for mercy. Let mercy speak. Let mercy speak. Let mercy speak. Let mercy speak. Mercy, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Mercy. Anything you've done that is supposed to make you die, let mercy speak. Anything that would have caused you miscarriage, poverty, premature death, let mercy speak. I activate the blood of the covenant. Mercy will rescue you. And I decree blessings. I decree good news. I decree increase in your life. It is well with you. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray. Tonight, we'll be back online, 6 p.m. If you are in Sogakope, don't miss tonight's prayer. Get me a stone from your house as... We pray and do direction as God help us. Until I see you again, my name is Pastor Norbert Freeman. You know I love you and there is absolutely nothing you can do about it. Have a good day and bye-bye.